What's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical, where we talk all things training, nutrition, and mindset optimization, while making sure to not lose sight of the practical and applicable side of things. I'm your host, Jordan Lips, and I just wanted to say thank you for taking time out of your day to tune in. I appreciate you. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. What's going on guys? Today I want to talk about deloads. I want to talk about deloads because I feel like they're misunderstood. I feel like they're misunderstood as something that's optional. They're misunderstood as something that's only for advanced people, powerlifters, bodybuilders, Olympic weightlifters, professional athletes. And the truth is, whether to deload or not is not up for debate. It, it's a necessity. And if you were to understand anything, if you were to take away anything from this podcast today, it would be this. Training that is hard enough to cause adaptation is by definition hard enough to require deloading. Anything that brings adaptation also brings fatigue. That same hard training that's required to make you better also beats you up. In this podcast, I'm going to explain why you need to deload, what will happen if you don't, how often to deload, should you pre-plan your deloads, and how to deload. But before we get started, I want to start with some basic operating definitions so we're all on the same page. What is a deload? A deload is about one week of lower training volume and intensity, essentially a week of rest in between training blocks to bring down fatigue so you can have another productive overloading block afterwards. An accumulation week represents weeks of hard training leading up to a deload. So if you train, if you have four accumulation weeks and then a deload, we'd say that's a four to one accumulation to deload ratio or a four to one split. Basically, how many weeks in a row are you overloading before you deload? Volume is the number of hard sets performed in a given time frame. Intensity, in the context of this, this podcast, will be how close to failure you're going on your sets. And we're not going to dive too deep into volume and intensity today, but I just want you to understand that volume is the how much component. Intensity is the how hard component. Now, why you need to deload. Well, let's start with a simple question. What is the point of rest? Why take rest days during the week? Why, why not work out all seven days? Well, at some point, it would be too much. Too much, quote unquote. Fatigue would rise. You wouldn't be able to recover from constant overloading sessions. Performance would decline. You wouldn't be able to produce an overloading effort. You'd stop making progress, which would be reason enough to deload, right? Because if progress is what you're after, and if you don't deload for weeks and weeks and weeks, you'll see progress start to not only stall out, but decline. Not only that, but risk of injury and illness also increases. Now, you don't train all seven days because intuitively you know that's dumb. You know that not resting doesn't make sense. You know that those two to four days off during the week or in between weeks are necessary to allow you to have a subsequent productive week of overloading training. Intuitively, you know this. Deloading is the exact same thing on a larger timescale. Instead of taking days off in between weeks, you take a week off between months. A deload is a week-long break from overloading training in between three to seven week training blocks so that future training can be more productive. Now I'm going to walk you guys through one of my favorite deload analogies just to kind of put it into perspective and, and give you a model from which to wrap your head around deloading. Imagine you are an empty glass. 
how much water in the glass represents how much fatigue and stress you are carrying. A full glass would represent an overreached or overtrained state. An empty glass is you completely fresh, completely stress-free. With every hard session you do throughout the week, you pour a little bit of water in the glass. Remember, hard training, training that's hard enough to cause adaptation, also beats you up, also brings fatigue. When you have an off day, when you have a rest day, you pour some of that water out, aka you drop some fatigue. However, those rest days are not enough to clean the slate. What this means that, what this means is that even though you're pouring some water in and pouring some water out, each week there's more water going in than going out. So over weeks and weeks of hard training, the glass becomes fuller and fuller, obviously to the point where it fills up. No bueno. Any further training into an overtrained state will at best cause no growth and at worst can cause some pretty serious negative health outcomes. Fatigue and stress within the body caused by hard training builds up across a mesocycle or month or so of training, forcing us to eventually dump out the water and start again fresh. The goal of deloading is to empty the glass as much as possible. So what happens if you don't deload? Well, again, first let's assume, let's assume this conversation is in the context of proper overloading training. Training that's hard enough to cause adaptation. If you're training once or twice a week, pretty nonchalant, it's not that hard, you're not really overloading, you're not tracking your workouts, you probably won't need to deload. But you also won't see gains, which is totally fine. But that's just not who this podcast is for. So let's say your training is on point, but you think deloading is soft. You have, you know, hashtag no pain, no gain, hashtag crush it. Hashtag no days off in your Instagram bio. Not only are you probably going to lose a lot of friends, but eventually the deload takes you anyway. Within a week, glycogen stores will slowly decrease. On slightly larger timescales, anabolic hormones like testosterone that are important for performance and adaptation go down, while catabolic hormones like cortisol continue to rise. That Cortisol increase, that chronic cortisol increase, can often lead to sleep disruption, which we'll kind of touch upon later because that's something that is I've seen is very common and very common in myself. Pathways that promote adaptation, such as mTOR, begin to work less and less as hard training continues, while catabolic pathways like ANPK turn up. And eventually, we see a high risk of illness and higher injury rates. Long story short, your body will take a deload one way or another. You can either take one voluntarily or wait until you're sick or injured. Now, how often should you deload? So remember that empty glass of water? Well, it doesn't exactly start empty. Remember, that glass represents all the stressors in your life. Work stress, family stress, lack of sleep, lack of carbs, lack of, lack of calories. Calorie deficit is a stressor. Other life stressors, and yes, stress from training. So imagine it all goes in the same glass. So what that means is your glass might be half full or half empty, haha, before we even talk about training. So if you're going through a divorce, you have a newborn, you're in a calorie deficit, expect your capacity for training to be lower. The less room you have in the glass for training, the sooner you'll likely have to deload, assuming volume intensity is equated. You could obviously decrease volume and intensity and stretch out a mesocycle, have more accumulation weeks of less volume and intensity. But let's assume that those are equated. Simply put, there are two main factors that will decide how often you need to deload. Your volume and intensity, how much and how hard you're training, because 
the more you train, the harder you train, the more that glass fills up and your life stressors and fatigue management, which is how much water the glass starts off with. What that ends up looking like in a practical sense is on average, anything from a three to one split to a seven to one split. So anywhere from three to seven weeks, three to seven accumulation weeks, followed by a deload. Remember, if your life is stressful AF, you probably won't have seven consecutive, tough, overloading weeks in you. Your training volume and intensity and deload frequency should mirror your life stressors. Now, should you pre-plan your deloads or auto-regulate? Now, auto-regulating means paying attention to your biofeedback, your sleep, your exercise performance, your stressors, and deciding based on that biofeedback when your body really needs a deload. It means taking a deload as needed. Pre-planning deloads means preemptively, proactively putting deloads into your training plan and taking them regardless of that biofeedback. When you pre-plan your deloads, you prevent yourself from overdoing it, which is great, but you also might risk taking a deload before you need one. When you auto-regulate your deloads, you give yourself the chance to get the most out of your accumulation weeks because you're waiting until you really need one. So imagine if you, you know, pre-plan a deload every fourth week, but on that week four, you feel really great and you could have extended for a fifth or sixth week. If you pre-plan it, you might be taking a deload early. If you auto-regulate, maybe you you make that call in the moment to push on for a week or two. And maybe you get more out of it. But you also leave the door open to overdoing it. Personally, I much prefer pre-planning deloads for myself and online coaching clients. Going a week or two beyond when you should deload into that overreached, overtrained state because you think auto-regulate sounds cool and you're like, nah, bro, I'm fine, I'm just tired, is worse than missing one week of training because you deloaded a little early. Additionally, there are some consequences of fatigue, some symptoms of fatigue that are really tough to notice even if you're paying close attention. If your glycogen gets depleted, you can probably feel that. You'll feel performance suffer to a degree that is significant. Now, if anabolic hormones like testosterone go down and cortisol rise, you can probably feel that. One of the most common ways to feel that is having sleep disruptions or your cortisol cycle, your 24-hour cortisol cycle being flipped on its head a little bit. And instead of peaking, when you wake up in that 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. hour, you might find yourself waking up in the middle of the night between 2 and 4, totally awake. I know for me, when I'm in an overreached state, this is something I feel very acutely. I'll wake up in the middle of the night, maybe I go to the bathroom and I come back and I'm totally awake. So if that is something that you can really feel, great. But can you feel mTOR going down and AMP going up and Probably not. Can you feel tendons on the brink of getting fucked up? You can't. Tendons are so poorly innervated that it could be hanging by a thread and you'd feel totally fine. So the truth is, there are some consequences of fatigue that are really tough to notice even if you're paying close attention. Plus, it allows you to offload some of the mental energy on worrying that you spend on worrying, should I deload this week or should I not? That most people just don't have to worry about. Besides, most people who lift are hardwired to go hard, go all in anyway. Pre-planning might just be what you need to protect you from yourself. In my opinion, most people should set it and forget it. And you can always change even if you're pre-planning. If one month, one mesocycle, you're doing four weeks and then a deload and you realize, you know, I felt pretty fine. You can always switch to five next time. But pre-planning it might be just what you need to protect you from yourself. 
you can always do more next mesocycle. You can't really go back in time and do less. It's probably better to deload just before you have to than push beyond when you should have. If you want to set a tentative schedule and auto-regulate off of there, that's totally fine too. I'm not saying that wouldn't work. And for some, it totally will. I'm just saying that it might be more trouble than it's worth unless you're very advanced or trying to eke out every inch of gains and you're paying, paring, uh, paying very close attention to your biofeedback. So by now, you probably get it. Okay, if I want to adapt, that means I got to train hard. And if I'm training hard, that means I'm picking up fatigue. If I'm picking up fatigue, that means I got to deload. Great. Now I should mirror my deload frequency with my life stressors to make sure that I understand they're all going in the same bucket. Awesome. Well, how the hell do I deload? What does it even mean? Here's the deal. I'm going to lay out three options, but make no mistake. The best option is the first one. The first option is doing all your deload workouts to the fullest, to the fullest is doing your full deload. What does that mean? Well, you're probably going to hear a lot of different recommendations, but the gist of what a deload is, is a week at lower volume and lower intensity so that you can dissipate fatigue and have another productive training block. It's essentially a week of rest, but as you'll see, doing nothing might not be the most optimal situation. So a full deload looks like doing all of your workouts on your normal schedule, normal exercises, normal order, but you adjust your volume and relative intensity to something like 50% of your week one volume with around three to five RIR on each exercise. What does that look like? Let's say on week one, you did four sets of squats at 100 pounds. During your deload week, you would do two sets, right? Half the amount of sets. So you did four, you're going to do two. And you would make sure to leave three to five reps in the tank at the given rep range, not rocket science. Doing the same movements that you normally do, that you just finished doing across your accumulation weeks will stimulate blood flow, blood flow and recovery to the exact joints and muscles that you just finished beating up for three to seven weeks. Also, doing those same movements will help maintain your neural and technical efficiency with those movements. Now, this probably applies more to Olympic athletes, uh, uh, sports, maybe even powerlifters, because those movements tend to be more technically demanding, right? Uh, you, you want to make sure you remember how to do your clean and jerk form, your snatch form. For hypertrophy training, it's a lot less technically demanding. Yes, we're squatting. Yes, we're deadlifting. But it's not – the technical technical component isn't as large, right? You can still do dumbbell bench press. You don't necessarily need to practice that all week. Uh, you could probably still do pull-ups and curls and push-downs and skull crushers and lateral raises. And you're going to be fine. But it still has a relevance to hypertrophy training. So even if you're not focused on that neural and technical efficiency, you still want to be stimulating blood flow and recovery to those exact joints and muscles you just finished beating up. So that's option one, and it is by far it should absolutely be your default. Option two is the exact opposite. Option two is taking an entire week off. Cons: not maximizing recovery benefits. Duh. Pros: if you're feeling psychologically burnt out from going to the gym from warming up from putting your gym clothes on from driving to the gym and you're totally fine with losing a small percent benefit of recovery you might prefer taking a week off yes you definitely lose out on optimal physical recovery and that is most of the point of a deload but you might say that that psychological break from having to put your gym clothes on and drive to the gym and warm up and go through the motions and you know whatever that psychological component is you might say that that break is a trade-off you're willing to make 
Maybe having that time back entirely to do other things means a lot to you. That trade-off might be worth it. But again, remember, technically, it's not optimal. Now, if you listen to both of those and you're kind of torn, option three is half and half. Let's say you work out four times per week. Half and half would be doing the first two workouts of the week, just like you would with your 50% volume and three to five reps in reserve, and then taking the rest of the week off. This is a great way to get the best of both worlds. And this is typically where I land with my workouts or with my deload weeks. I appreciate the benefit of doing the deload week as stated and stimulating blood flow to the right muscles, keeping that neural and technical efficiency. I appreciate it. I respect the benefit, but I also really, 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 really appreciate having some of that time back. Even if it's an hour of my day back during the end of deload week, I do appreciate that. So I tend to do half and half. Now, again, you don't have to do what I do. You might like keeping your routine exactly the same. Keeping the routine might be beneficial for you. And you might say, actually going to the gym and continuing my routine and not taking a week off is really good for me. Good for my mental state. Great. That's awesome. You're going to, you're going to do great. You're going to do your deload workouts. You're going to get the most out of it. You might say, I fucking hate going to the gym during deload week. By the end of my accumulation weeks, I am so unbelievably burnt out from going to that place. I don't want to see a dumbbell. I don't want to see that, that creepy trainer who checks me out. I just want to stay home, do more work, go for more walks, sit in the sun, take my dog out, whatever it is. You should feel empowered to do so, but you should do it with the understanding that you're making a trade-off that it is not optimal physically for physical recovery. But if the psychological benefit of not having to go through the motions is a trade-off you're willing to make, then you can do that. I mean, one of my favorite quotes is, there are no solutions, there are only trade-offs. So I can't tell you which one of these is best. All I can tell you is which one might be best if this is important to you. If physical recovery is most important, do your damn deload workouts. If psychological, the psychological benefit of not going into the gym is most beneficial, then don't do, don't go to the gym. If you kind of want both, then do the half and half. I promise you it's not going to be the end of the world either way. Pick the one that feels right to you. Now, but Jordan, I don't need to deload. Here's the deal. If someone says this, it means one of a few things. One, it means you're not training hard enough to need a deload which means you're not training hard enough to see progress, which is fine, but this isn't the case against deloading. Option two, you are deloading, you just don't know it. Remember that time you got sick for a week and a half and you had to take time off the gym or that pec injury that kept you sidelined? That was likely your body forcing a deload. Option three, you're deloading on vacations or long weekends. Maybe once a month or so you go down to your shore house, you don't train for three to five days, or every few months you go on a vacation. That's you deloading. Remember, if you're training hard enough to make gains, hard enough to see adaptations, you're training hard enough to need deloads. There is no, I don't need to deload unless you're taking it without knowing or you're not training hard enough. Couple final thoughts on deloads before I wrap this up here. If you are in a fat loss phase, if you're in a calorie deficit, remember that is water in the glass. That is a stressor on the body. Pairing a diet break at maintenance calories with a deload can both compound the de-stressor, that pouring out the water effect, as well as prevent any detraining or muscle loss that might happen. Now, you probably won't lose any muscle anyway, any appreciable amount, but you're going to have to take diet breaks anyway. And I can tell you from personal experience and working with a lot of people and going through a lot of deload and diet break combos that the de-stressing effect is awesome. Having more calories and expending less energy compounds that de-stressing effect and can really make subsequent blocks productive. 
when you're coming out of a deload and you're entering back into your, your first accumulation week, start with less volume than you were doing before your deload. So if on week five, the last, or week four, the last week before your deload, you were doing, you know, 10 sets of quads, 12 sets of quads, whatever. Don't start with that amount. You will get obliterated sore and take a big step backwards. Coming out of a deload, which is a lot like a lot of these people coming out of their at-home workouts, you're not going to need as much volume or intensity to see great gains. So when you're coming out of a deload, don't be an idiot. Take the easy gains. Do a little less volume. Do a little less intensity. You won't get as sore. It won't be a super long, grueling workout. And guess what? You're going to make great gains. Save the death-defying sets for the end of the mesocycle. Save the beating the fuck out of your body for right before you deload. Listen, the last week before you deload, you want to go in there and fuck your shit up? Go for it because you get to deload afterwards. And that is the point. Don't do that right out of the deload. I promise you. You won't be able to work out next week. You won't be able to to work out productively the following week. You'll be so damn sore. So coming out of a deload, drop your volume, drop your intensity. This also goes for a lot of you guys going right back into the gym. Maybe you've been doing two times a week at-home workouts. I promise you, when you go back into the gym, lower volume, lower intensity, just soak up some easy gains. You don't need to work that hard. Save the working hard for when you need it. Training hard is fundamental to making gains. But that doesn't mean keeping the pedal down all the time is what gets you the best gains. Think of the work week and the weekend. In order to be most productive, should you stay at work 24-7, seven days a week, 365? Of course not. They've done study after study after study. And having people take periodic breaks, going home every night is one. Taking the weekends off is another. Taking periodic vacations those are going to, across the year, make you more productive when you're at work. Deloading and taking rest days and active rest phase, something we'll cover in another, another podcast, those are all very similar analogies. You'll be more productive, see more gains with breaks than without it. And when considering how often to deload and how hard your training block will be, consider your life stressors as well. They all go in the same bucket. Train hard. Train smart, know when to floor it, and know when to put it in park. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you enjoyed it, if you found value, do me a favor and take a screenshot of your phone and post it to your social media. If you do, tag me so I can say thanks. If you ever want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at Jordan Lips Fitness on Instagram, or you can email me, jordanlips at jordanlipsfitness.com, or check out the website, jordanlipsfitness.com. I'd love to chat. Have a great day.